Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Well, good morning to all of you, and again, welcome to The Grove. My name is Stephen, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we are wrapping up a sermon series called You in Five Years, and here's my commitment and promise to you this morning. You'll be home by halftime. You will be home by halftime for the big game. That's all that you really need to see. That's where the important action happens. we got a lot to cover this morning. I'm going to go fast, but we will get you home by halftime, and we have snacks later in the service, so, you know, you won't be hungry. Now, For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this idea, thinking about how we think about the future. Because what we recognize is that when we're intentional today about where we want to be in the future, we can live a higher quality, a better quality life, maybe a life more aligned with God's will and purpose for our lives. And so we've been talking about this one central idea for five weeks. And it's this. We all end up somewhere, a few of us, end up somewhere on purpose. And so we ask the question, who's the you that you want to be in five years? What does that person look like? And maybe for you, five years is the wrong length of time. Maybe for you, it's 50 years or 25 years. Maybe for some of you, it's five months from now. Maybe for some of you, it's five hours from now because that's as far as you can think out about the future. But for all of us, it's important that we begin to think about who we want to be. Because as we begin to think about who we want to be, it informs us and it tells us about what we need to do today and in the days to come to move closer to who that person is. And over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the different visions that we could have for our future, the different versions of ourselves that we could have five years from now and why some of them are more fulfilling, ultimately more meaningful version of our life than maybe some of the ones that we'd naturally choose for ourselves. Now, for all of us, if you've been around electricity for the last week, you've been aware of the story that's been front and center uh, basically across every news media and outlet uh, this week. And that's the death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and the other seven aboard the helicopter. Now, if you're like me, this was really, really difficult news to process. It was a total shock. It came out of nowhere. And for me, it was deeply troubling and unsettling. And I think what's maybe interesting about when a tragedy and an event happens like this in our world, it causes us to think about things that maybe we're not always inclined to think about. It causes us to go places mentally that maybe we're hesitant to go. And for a lot of us, that's this idea of death and this idea of our own mortality. Because the reality of the statement that we all end up somewhere, few of us end up somewhere on purpose, is that there is an end up. There is a place where we end. There is a moment when our life is over, and we don't like to think about it. And so if you came here this morning excited about the sunshine and in a good mood because it was Super Bowl Sunday, just buckle up. That's all I got to say is buckle up because we're talking about the end of this storyline. And what that means for us, because it is something that we have to pay attention to. And I'm going to do my best to keep this light, but it is a somber topic. It's somber because it's scary, it's unsettling, 
And when we're confronted with tragic, sudden deaths of people who we never in a million years expected to die at an early age, particularly the loss of teenagers and children, it makes us, it makes us like kind of retreat within ourselves and begin to try to ask these deeper, broader, more significant questions about our lives, about our purpose. You start to see comments in social media and posts about the importance of recognizing how precious this life is, how fragile this life is that we have, how quick time can go without a sudden notice. All of a sudden, you're at the end of your life, maybe in a timeline that you didn't expect to be at. And how those truths force us to reframe and maybe rethink the way that we're living today. So unintentionally and unfortunately, the news of Kobe's death aligns perfectly with this idea that we've been talking about for the last several weeks. And it forces us to ask a question. Like, how do you want to be remembered? As you think about the legacy that you might leave behind, that's that word that we've heard so much this week about Kobe's legacy. How do you want to be remembered? What legacy do you want to leave? For many of us, the problem with this question is we don't ask this question until it's usually too late to do something about it. For many of us, we don't begin to think about how we want to be remembered. We don't begin to think about our legacy, that of us which we leave behind, until we're, we're right there at the end of our life. And at that point, it's too late. And for some of us, particularly when we look at the tragic and sudden death of Kobe, it might be the case that Kobe didn't even get to ask that question because his death, his death came sooner than he expected. So now that I've bummed everybody out this morning, if you were to begin to build that mental list, if you begin to think about the parts of yourself that you would want people to remember, the legacy that you would leave behind, maybe for your children, maybe for your grandchildren, maybe for your friends and family, what would it, what would it consist of? What are the parts of you, what are the, the thoughts, the ideas, the values, the aspects of your character, what are the components of your legacy that you would, that you would wanna leave behind? I think it's an important question that we have to ask because if we don't ask it now, then we end up asking it too late. And I think we have a unique opportunity to begin to ask a question that allows us to do something different. There's this idea in scripture that by paying attention to our mortality, by recognizing the fragility of life, it actually allows us to live a deeper, more meaningful, and fuller life. In fact, there's a Psalm, Psalm 90, that talks about this idea. Now, most of the Psalms are written by a guy named David, but this one was written by Moses. And Moses is pinning this Psalm to God, talking about his observations of God's faithfulness throughout Moses' journey leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. And he's recognizing all of the challenges and all of the things that he's been able to do as God supplied him with strength, all the ways that he's been able to lead this people. But in the middle of this psalm, talking about God's faithfulness, he says this very poignant phrase. He says, God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. 
teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, what Moses recognizes and we were reminded of this week is that this life is short and it's fragile. And if we're not intentional, we can get to the end of it without having done the things that we want to do or lived the way that we've wanted to live. And so the first thing that we have to remember as we begin to think about the future, however far that may be away, however close it might be, we have to remind ourselves that we have to live today as we want to be remembered one day. We can't wait for then to start to build a legacy. We can't wait till our life is on the sunset to begin to think about how we want to be remembered how we want people to talk about us, the things of us that we want to persist after we're gone. It begins, it begins today. Now, I'm fortunate enough that uh, I have someone in my family who was thoughtful enough and intentional enough to begin to think this way. And my paternal grandfather uh, left, well, he's still living, so he has given his family uh, his World War II combat diary. And in it, he talks about the things that he's that he did as a turret gunner in a B-17 during his tour uh, over Germany. But that's not the part that I want to read to you. It's the note that he left, or he included in this when he gave it to my father about 25 years ago. A long time ago and very far away, I experienced some things that I probably never shared with you or any of your other brothers or sisters, or even your mother for that matter. Herewith you will find my diary of those few days I spent in England as a member of the 401st Bomb Squadron, 91st Bomb Group, the engineer top turret gunner on the B-17 bomber called the Old Battle Axe. I don't think they'd allow planes to be named that today. But here's what he says. He says, it's hard to realize as I sit here approaching my next birthday of 70, he's now 95, that some 50 years ago, I really did all these things. But I would like my grandsons and granddaughter to know what their grandfather did during World War II. I am very proud of all my children. And I ask that you share someday with your children these things and facts about this time and place so long and so far away. Now, my grandfather has the presence of mind to think about the future to think about the way that he wants to be remembered, to think about how the generations that he's, he will leave behind one day will think of him. And so he's already accomplished the first mistake that we often make. The first mistake we often make is we don't think about the end till the end is near. But the thing that maybe I'd want to remind my grandfather of, that I want to remind each of us today, is oftentimes the legacy that we think is most important isn't most important. You see, outside of all of the heroics of what my grandfather did during that significant time period in the world, that's it's not what I'll remember. I'm grateful that I have his words and his account and his memories, but those will not be the things that I remember of him. I'll remember his warmth. He's this gregarious, outgoing person. I'll remember his generosity. I'll remember his sense of humor. I'll remember the moments that we shared together wrestling when I was little. I'll remember the conversations that we had as I grew older. And I'll remember the way that he always had the presence of mind and still does at every family gathering to stop and force us to recognize how lucky we are to have our family. 
And I'll also remember that in every correspondence and in every phone call, he ends his conversations the same way. He says, I love you the mostest. Now, the fun part has been as he's moved to electronic communication, emails and texts, that's been auto-corrected to say, I love you the moistest. And so that's, that's like really, it's like it's a different take on the same sentiment. But, but there are parts of us that we, le- we will leave behind. There are aspects of our life that will be remembered. And there are other aspects that won't be remembered. And I think the greatest mistake that we make, in addition to not thinking about the end, is thinking about the things that we think are going to be important once we're gone. We spend so much time with our lives trying to pursue achievements, trying to build things, trying to amass wealth that we think will, you know, be appreciated by future generations. We try to do all of these things, but what we end up doing is building a legacy for ourselves. Because when it's all said and done, that's not the things that future generations will remember. That's not the things that they'll want once we're gone. Any money that my grandfather would leave to me is not what I want most once my grandfather is gone. It's the engagements, it's the conversations, it's the interaction. The same is true for us. We think about legacy incorrectly. I think we think about building something that will last long after we're gone, but really, if we do it that way, that legacy will eventually fade and die. Think about it, even the great companies that we have around us today, Steve Jobs with Apple, Jeff Bezos with Amazon, maybe 200 years from now, 500 years from now, even 1,000 years from now, those companies, they won't exist. All of the effort and the energy that was put into building those incredible things that we would say is a towering legacy, they'll eventually fade. But there's another type of legacy that we can participate in. There's another legacy that we can leave and build and give away in our own lives that doesn't fade. But it's a legacy that it's hard to wrap our brains around. It's one that's foreign to us. In fact, it has been foreign to humanity from the very beginning. I wanna show just a short conversation, an argument really, that happens between the disciples in the Gospel of Luke. Now, the setting for this argument is directly after Jesus and the disciples celebrate the Last Supper, something that we're gonna do shortly in a few moments. But Jesus is taking this moment to remind his disciples that there's a part of him that will live on. He says, listen, as you take this bread and as you take this cup and as you eat and drink them, I want you to do it in remembrance for me. As often as you do this, remember me. There needs to be something that you remember about my life, the way I lived it, what it stood for, what it means, that's going to persist. Long after Jesus dies, long after the disciples die, 2,000 years later, we're still repeating the same thing, still participating in this legacy, because Jesus understood something that I think today we have to understand as well. This is that conversation. It says, then an argument broke out among the disciples over which one of them should be regarded as the greatest. You can imagine there's 12 of them sitting around and Jesus is saying these strange words and starting to hint at the fact that he's not going to be around forever. And they're confused and puzzled and wondering what he really means. And they 
can't actually know what was about to happen, but maybe they see an opportunity for someone to rise up from their ranks and kind of assume the leadership role. And so they kind of start jockeying and negotiating. It's like, well, no, no, I helped him with seven miracles and you only helped him with four. And, you know, he sat next to me on the bus ride down here and he had a chance to sit, you know, you can just imagine we, we do this all the time. And so they're arguing over who, who will be the greatest, who will have a legacy that stands tallest. And Jesus, he intervenes and he says, kings like to throw their weight around and people in authority, they like to give themselves fancy titles. People like to let other people know how important they are. They like to ensure that other people recognize the legacy that they're gonna leave behind, their significance, their worth, their power, their achievement. But he says, it is not to be so with you. This is not how you, my followers, should do it. It is not about leaving this legacy that people marvel at about all of the accomplishments and all of the achievements and titles and earnings and companies and all of that. No. Jesus recognizes that that's a fool's errand. No matter how great that type of legacy you build, it will eventually fade. But there's another type of legacy that we can participate in that can truly last. And Jesus says, this is what I want you to focus on. Don't do it this way. There's another way that you can do this. Instead, the greatest among you must become like a person of lower status and the leader like a servant. And at this point, everybody is like, wah, wah. This is what every church always says. But there's a reason. For thousands of years, people have tried to build legacies on their own, for their own, that last. And throughout the thousands of years of human history, they always eventually fade. Empires fall, kingdoms collapse, statues are torn down, and records are replaced. Jesus says there's another way to do this. There is another way to live your life for something greater than yourself. He continues, and he says, so, which one is greater? The one who is seated at the table or the one who serves at the table? Isn't it the one who is seated at the table? That's what everybody assumes. That's what the world will tell you. The person in the place of highest power, of greatest honor, they're the ones that will leave a legacy that will last. They're the ones whose lives have actually counted for something. Jesus says it is not to be this way with you. And the way that they think about it is misguided and it's naive and it's short-sighted. If that's the truth, then Jesus is saying, but I, but I am among you as one who serves. If it was really the case that the way that we should go about our lives is placing ourselves in the greatest position of success, drawing all of the attention and focus on ourselves for the legacy that we could leave behind, Jesus would say, don't you think surely I would have done that? He says, but that's not the case. That's not the example I'm leaving for you. I stand before you as one who serves. And the disciples, they couldn't know what was, what was gonna happen next. They couldn't know the full depth to which Jesus would actually go and serve them and serve humanity and serve us. 
that was the biggest challenge with people accepting the idea that Jesus was king, that Jesus was Messiah, that Jesus was the chosen one. It's because he was killed. He gave his life for everyone and that didn't make sense with the way that we understand legacy. That doesn't make sense with the way that we understand greatness and achievement and success. We think it's about banners hanging in the rafter and companies with your name on the side. Jesus is saying that's not what a legacy that lasts looks like. Of all of the different news clips and stories and photos and interviews of Kobe that have emerged during this past week, uh, I was most grateful to come across this one. Because even if in part, I think Kobe began to understand this truth. This idea that there's something more than just achievement. There's something more than just accomplishment. There's something more than just your jersey hanging in a building. There is an opportunity to live a legacy far greater than yourself. Take a look. What did you know and learn at the end of your career that you wish you knew at the beginning? Um, understanding empathy and compassion. Because as a young kid, when I came in the league, it was like, I'm driving this way, and either you're going to be on the train or be on the track. Right? Where there was no such thing as understanding that people have lives outside of the game, <laughs> which, which you know, I, apparently I did not. Um, but like, if I understood that at an early age, and I, it, it helps me as a leader to communicate better. I came to understand that later, um, and um, getting to know people on a personal level. What are their fears? What are their insecurities? Right? What are their dreams and ambitions, desires, those sorts of things? When you come to understand that about a person, you can help them reach the best version of themselves. So I wish I'd known that. So what he doesn't finish saying is, I wish I had known that earlier. Kobe was driven. That's the part of him that we remember most, his relentless pursuit of excellence his drive and determination. But then to hear in his own words that what he actually wished he would have known at the beginning of his career is the importance of connecting with the people around him, of giving his life in service to them, helping them achieve greatness, helping them become the most that they can be. Toby recognizes this truth, this idea that, like Jesus says, which one's greater? The one who's seated at the table or the one who serves at the table. And so as we wrap up this series, as we begin to think about who we want to be in the future, I hope that you will think about who you want to be in the future. But don't just think about who you want to be in the future. Don't just think about the type of legacy that you want to leave. But I hope you'll think about the way that you can live today for something far greater than your legacy. And that's the hope that we have in Jesus, that through his help, through his assistance, we can tap into the work that he began 2,000 years ago and our lives can count for something more just like his. In a moment, we'll share communion together. Just remember, this was the setting for Jesus to remind us that our legacy isn't something for ourselves. It's not something for us to build and everyone to marvel at once we're gone. Our legacy should be about a life that was given away in service to others. And in that, 
And in doing so, we will truly live. Let me pray. Gracious and loving God, in these moments, we thank you for hard reminders and painful truths. God, let us be wise to recognize the opportunity that we have today to reorient our lives to you and to give our lives to something greater than ourselves. God, my prayer for this room would be that our legacies would be about something more than ourselves. They would be a participation in your work here in this world. And ultimately, then we would leave something far greater than we could ever become on our own. God, we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.